Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. Everybody, welcome back to Two Guys, One Book. I'm Tim, joined by... Brian. And welcome, Brian. Uh, I know it's been such a long hiatus, and that's well, my fault. <laughs> no, no, it's nobody's fault, you know, Tim, with the holidays and Omicron, you know, like, you know, the it's well, let's just say we're on season three now. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I fail to read a book in time, we'll just say it's a new season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're on season 55 now due to these gaps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll just blame Omicron for everything. That's fine. Yeah. But the book that I chose is Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Delia, do you know how to pronounce her first name? Uh, I would have said Dahlia. Dahlia. Yeah. Not like Dahlia, like the Black no. Dahlia, but like D-E-L-I-A. What is it about? It's about it's kind of like a coming of age slash mystery set in the marshland of North Carolina which I would have expected marshland like uh, Louisiana kind of, you know, but I guess it kind of extends into, I need to look at a map actually. Cause like, do you think it's not based on a real place? Is it? I just assumed it kind of was though. Oh, I thought it, it was like, Oh, the general marshlands of North Carolina, but then she, the specifics of the town, she kind of made up. Oh yeah. I think that's right. I think it's a general area. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm Googling like Swampland, North Carolina. I'm surprised how much there is there. But because uh, I always associate that with a further south thing like Louisiana. Sure. I, th- uh, I think that's a fair that's a fair assumption that the marshes when you think of marshes, you think of like Louisiana and Florida. And yeah, you don't really think of the Carolinas, maybe South Carolina, but even then not North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I chose this one because I, you know, I thought that setting would be interesting, and I, we haven't read like a mystery yet. I think on this, and I was like, oh, let's do a mystery. And I was come to find out, it's not so much a mystery. <laughs> I mean, like there are elements of a mystery in here, and like an investigation into a murder. But I feel like that's very secondary to the genre of coming of age, if you would call that a genre. Right. I think I think coming of age story is a genre. Maybe it's more of like a theme more than a genre but mm-hmm. um it's a theme in a lot of books and i would not call this a mystery book though yeah i was very maybe i don't know it's just because of what i heard about it or looking at the cover and thinking you know i'd seen true detective not super long ago and that takes place in the marshlands you know or like in and around louisiana so i expected a mystery in the marshes and that was not so much the case but you know it was a good book, I thought. That's that's oh, my yeah. first my overall impression. I liked it. So Oh yeah. I mean I liked it too. I I uh read it pretty quickly. I was I read it on kind of like a road trip with my parents to visit family. So I there was one morning when I got up in the hotel and just finished it because I wanted to know what happened. So I would say it's more of a page turner than a mystery because I don't know, although page turner is in a genre. Anyway, what is it actually like? What are the what are the, the details of the story? Yeah, yeah, I'm jumping around a bit, but yeah. basically, uh, it's about this woman, Kaya. Uh, what's her last name? Do you remember? Clark. Kaya Clark. Um, so she 
is starts out with her as a young girl and she's with this family but her dad's like abusive because he had been in the war and so it kind of takes it out on her family and then one by one members of her family like just leave throughout the course of her childhood so she's kind of left to like fend for herself so that's sort of the backdrop but there's a lot more going on as far as like her discovering you know partners romance and education <laughs> her book writing career <laughs> and all these things. So it's kind of about how she learns to adapt and uh, evolve and ultimately thrive in this yeah. Marsh world. Right. And, and so while, while this story, this coming of age story happen is happening, there's a parallel story going on and uh, in a different in the future. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. That threw me off at, at first because there are two stories going in parallel at different timelines. And the one is the mystery of this boy, Chase, this young man. And then it's the um, story of Kaya growing up. And then it intersects with, you know, well, she meets Chase and they kind of have this, uh, I don't know how you would call it, like a fling, but sort of relationship turns sour for various reasons we'll get into. But yeah, and then the murder is of him, and the investigation, and Kaya goes on trial, and and on and on. So, what right. about, what did you think about the timelines? Did that throw you off at first? No, I I genuinely liked it. I I like going back and forth between two timelines, and I think authors like to use them too because all you really have to do is capture the reader's attention in one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then. Like, I was more interested in who killed Chase than I was about Kaya, really, at the start. Because I didn't know where it was going. You know, you could see the two storylines converging the more you read into the book. But at first, the first third of the book, I was more interested in the, the police investigating the murder. And so what that made me do is that made me want to read through Kaya's parts to get to the investigation parts. You know what I mean? yeah. I thought it was pretty creative because it's like, you know, at some point this character is going to die. And now this whole other uh, part of the story, you're like, how does it get to that point? How, do, how does that happen? Um, but it just, there, to me, there wasn't a distinction, at least in the audiobook. Again, I listened to that, but I also have a hard copy. Really? Yeah. Oh, so you, you, you did both. You listen to the audiobook and have a hard copy? I, I, uh, yeah, I just, I can listen at two times speed and walk around. So, you know, it's I'm multitasking. Okay. What did you use the hard copy of the book for? You know, I found it at one of these local libraries around town. And I was like, oh, I'll definitely read that. And then I ended up just getting an audiobook and let's do that. So <laughs> I know it's a nice. shame. But uh, oh, no, I was just wondering, like, because I haven't really looked in here. Do they distinguish between the when it switches timelines in the hard copy? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It had it had a year. It had the year before. Oh, uh, See, when I hear the year, I'm just like, oh, it's 1959 or something versus like 19. You know what I mean? Like, I see. So you yeah. thought the year was just a reiteration that the story took place in a different time than now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I caught on that it was like two stories, but at first it was a little jarring. But it makes more sense when you're actually reading it versus yeah, two times that. speed. <laughs> right. Yeah, two times speed. <laughs> the weather was cold. The, yeah. the sheriff went over to the crime scene. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I was going to say someone compared, uh, I think I told you this before, like reading a book versus listening to a book, like eating your vegetables versus drinking vegetables. <laughs> like it's not as healthy <laughs> or <laughs> real. That is so good. I still just yeah. like listening more. I don't know. You're um, a millennial, Tim. You want, you want things now? You want them fast? You want them easy? Just insert it into my brain. Just right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matrix. Also, side note, did you know this was part of Reese's book club, according to the cover? Reese's? Which, I didn't know Reese had a book club. I'm assuming Reese's it's Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, not the candy. <laughs> That'd be cool, though. <laughs> I feel like M&M's or Hershey's should have their own book club. <laughs> Just Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or something. That'd be good. Yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> She's trying to be like uh, Oprah, I think. Just like if you yeah. reach book club status. Well, we're book club, but nobody wants us to. We're practically Oprah. <laughs> yeah. Do I get to interview Adele now? Oh, that's our dream. Yeah. <laughs> One on episode uh, season five hundred, episode one thousand, we'll interview Adele <laughs> on her favorite books. Can <laughs> yeah. dream. Um, okay, where, yeah. where were we at? Wait, so you liked it oh. overall? Oh yeah, I very much enjoyed the book. I think it's a good read. It's a fun read. It's a beach read. You know, like you just—I mean, I think it's a good, um, uh, simple, fun book to read, and w- which are nice. It's simple, but it was also kind of deeper than I thought at parts two, because it's like she goes through all these struggles, and you're like, oh dang, her dad was abusive, and all these towns town people like ostracize her and stuff and it's like you know she endured some heavy stuff but it's also not like a difficult read it's yeah i would consider it like you said a page turner not necessarily a mystery but you want to know what happens um it's it's well written yeah right and and all right so let me ask you this tim so at the beginning kai is with her family Mm -hmm. her mom leaves and then her older siblings leave because kai is the youngest and eventually it's just her and her dad and they have this brief moment where they're starting to bond, but then he eventually just leaves, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy. And so she's there by herself, managing to live at life in the marsh and doing doing okay, like like digging for clams or fishing or doing what she needs to do to get by in the little shack in the marsh. Mm-hmm. So at that point, did you envy Kaya for her independence and... Um, uh, you know, survivor skills, or did you pity her because she was alone and like a wild animal almost? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a bit of both. Um, you know, you're like, feel bad for everything she's had to go through, but you also kind of respect her as a character and like how she overcame everything and, and that kind of thing. Like, what do, you, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I just couldn't help but like feel sorry for her more, like, most of all. Um, I mean, I guess that's kind of the point, but I felt like, I don't know. Um, yeah, it just it just was, um, I guess, overall, the pity I felt for Kaya was, was strongest. And I just, I wanted more people to take an interest in her. And unfortunately, they don't. I mean, who was that one boy with the golden curls that befriends her? Tate. Tate, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So a local boy named Tate befriends her and teaches her how to fish and do other things as well. So that was nice. And he teaches her to read. 
That's mm-hmm. right. He teaches her to read, brings her books from school and whatnot, or the library. But like, I don't know. I just it was it was touching in one respect, but also sad. Um, and then yeah, Tate. It, you know, like it was a little awkward at times reading about the arousal of Tate and Kaya, <laughs> or and then Kaya and Chase and stuff like, like literally, like the the. <laughs> I was reading this on a road trip with my parents, like I said, and then like I I said, oh yeah, you know, it's pretty good. I I told my mom, you know, maybe you should read it, and then the very next day I read the part about her. Ty and Chase having sex. I'm like, oh my God. Like, Mom, don't read this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take it back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at some of the notes I took during it. I think Tate was probably the most major character after um, Kaya, though, because he was such a big influence on her, um, teaching her how to read and then getting in, her into, like, biology and uh, the more scientific aspects of, like, the marshland that eventually led to her, like, you know, writing her own book that was accepted by the scientific community and stuff, and she was able to support herself off of that. So I think it was a great, like, tribute to the human spirit and her ability to overcome her circumstances. I did think it started out a little, like, maybe cliche, like, oh, you know, abusive dad from war and, like, broken family. and then, But then it kind of, like, surprised me, I think, with that oh, she learned about the biology of the marshes and <laughs> wrote this book. And, like, there's also this murder. It, I think it was original enough as a story that kind of carried carried it off. Oh, yeah. I think so as well. And I and I think uh, my favorite character was Tate by far, even though I couldn't remember his name. But <laughs> because I felt like he was the guiding light for Kaya, like you said, to to find her outlet for her passion of the marsh in her biology books that she created. Um, I did not like Tate when he went off to college and just kind of ghosted Kaya. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> I believe the kids Kaya. call it ghosting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this was said in like yeah. 1960s, right? 50s. Right, so. right. Yeah, but but yeah, essentially that's what happened. Right, right. But then, but then, which so Tate leaving for college and not visiting Kaya like he promised, um, drove Kaya to to her fling with Chase. And then that was let down a bad road because Chase was abusive, physically demanding, um, and promised Taya this and that, but never delivered because he just wanted her on the side and didn't want, was never going to take her seriously as a partner. Yeah. And, and then Tate eventually tries to come back and win Kaya back, but he's, he does, he doesn't, he's patient. He takes his time. Kaya has this meeting with a publisher for one of her science books, and then that's when Chase gets murdered when she's out of town. And then, but she's still put on trial because they think she may have snuck back into town and rode her boat around the marsh to kill Chase or something. So the trial I felt like was very gripping. But ultimately, what did you, do? We want to talk about how it ends. Yeah, I think we can get there in a minute. But I want to ask okay. you, like, what did you think about? we find out like chase is murdered most likely like he fell from this high tower right and did you think uh kaya had done it before finding out who did it or did you think it was someone else because i thought it was uh tate originally because he found out that chase had like you know beat her basically correct correct i think i was more along that line as well i had i would I didn't think Kaya did it. I thought Tate was probably the guilty one because I do feel like I felt like 
the author did a good job of not tipping her hand too much, but at the, I don't know, but still it was it left it left me it left the reader uh, guessing, and mm-hmm. which is what an author wants, and then makes me made me finish the book faster. Yeah, you wanted to know what happened and who did yeah. it. But also what you said about Tate leaving for college, the reason it was such a big deal is because, like, you know, her mom had left when she was young and then her brother Jody, she was really close to, left and her other siblings and her dad. So that's why it was such a big deal. The aban- Just like the pattern oh, of abandonment, yeah. you know. Yeah. I didn't mean to belittle the fact. Oh, no, no. That, that, that the impact that had on Kaya, I just wish Tate would have handled it better, of course. But Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, what the trial, I agree, was very gripping. I think, like... They did a good job with the lawyers, and it was a very engaging, like, well-written sequence. No, oh, yeah, I thought the trial was a good part of the book. It was like the whole last third of the book, I think. Mm-hmm. And Kyle was just kind of sitting in the jail cell and befriended the, the courtroom cat. Um, did, that, were you surprised that she was not guilty? You like, found not guilty? Found not guilty at, at trial. No, because I felt like that was where it was going ultimately mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't think the author would make kaya be guilty i i thought it was the culmination of the town basically saying you know we acknowledge that we have neglected you for all these years that's kind of what i thought like i felt like the trial itself took on a bigger meaning of like kaya on being put on the spotlight and all the town folks having to reconcile with the fact that there was this abandoned marsh girl they called her the marsh girl Mm -hmm. everyone knew about her yet no one really stepped up to help her you know so i think you know i wasn't surprised when she when the verdict came back not guilty because i felt like the town was doing a mea culpa culpa saying like basically like our bad we should have treated you better um and so now you're not guilty yeah, that's well said. I think when you think about like small towns, I wonder if your town had anything like this growing up. But like, th- I feel like there's always like one person that there's all this lore about, and like, oh, old man Jenkins lives on the corner, and he <laughs> like, you know, does X Y Z. That's and like, I feel like that's kind of how it was with her. Like, they built all this kind of folklore around her, and it sort of kept her at a distance, um, and then she could never really get close to anyone. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and so. I thought that was, you know, I, I was glad for the outcome of that trial. Um, and then, you know, she eventually she and Tate do end up together and, and they take the money she makes from her books and like revamps the shack, still keeping it like the aesthetic on the outside, like a shack. But inside they update certain things and whatnot. Um, and over the years and then like they talk about growing old and how she owns the, the marsh. But so like. The city gets built up, but they're still Tate and Kai are still there in the in the marsh, and everyone knows them, and they're more friendly with them. But they still see them. They go out and about on their boats all the time, or whatnot. And then so, uh, eventually finding out that Kaya kept the shell necklace, right? Oh, that <laughs> the shell necklace that she made and gave the chase. Why yeah. would she take that shell? Oh, that means <laughs> did she have the red hat too, or something like that? No, the red hat was. That's why I don't. That, that there it is. All right. So all right. So ultimately, <laughs> at the very end, Kaya dies of like a stroke or heart attack or something in the boat one day. Yeah, and she's like sixty-five or seventy. I they say I don't think they give an exact age, but like. She had long, flowing white hair, 
and was, you know, like well into retirement age. Mm-hmm. And Tate is grieving her, and then he finds a secret compartment in the shack where there's this conch, or not conch, but like white shell necklace that she had made for Chase and she had kept all these years, right? Yeah. And so, and these other letters and poems and whatnot. So we find out that not, Kyle was the uh, killed Chase, right? Yeah, because he had always worn that necklace she gave him, but it wasn't discovered on his body. So the prosecutors were like, oh, the necklace is missing. It must have been her, because why else would it be gone from the crime scene? Um, And then it was kind of surprising. I thought maybe still like Tate, Jody, even um, what was the guy jumping that she like sold uh, shellfish to or whatever? Like, I feel like these people were all kind of protective. for her, saw her as like sister, partner, daughter, you know, different. Um, yeah, I guess they filled all those roles. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so I felt like it was one of them, but then come to find out she did it. And then she was always like referencing like biology and how like different, you know, animals, uh, different species, like, you know, handled relationships and mating and all these things. And so that was pretty interesting. Like, sometimes it felt a little forced, but. It was also kind of cool that it was thrown in here and there that like, oh, a dragonfly will like, you know, rip off the guy's head while mating or stuff like that. Like there's some violence tied in there that may be pre, uh, what is that called? Uh, foreshadowed. Foreshadowed. Yeah. I started with pre and then I couldn't get yeah. out. <laughs> pre foreshadowed. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Like, yeah, she talks about the different mating patterns of the insects and in, in, of the marsh and how the females are and kill the male or, or pretend to be, or like fireflies would signal a certain way, pretending to be one type of firefly in, in mating uh, season. But then when the male firefly of that species comes close, they'll eat them or something like that. Yeah. I, I had heard some of these things before, but the one I liked was like, I, I forget exactly what it was, but like with bullfrogs, they would like, uh the lesser bullfrogs would like like stand near the higher status ones and try to like because their deep um sound would attract right. the females the yeah. croaks and then the lower status ones would just be there and be like wow there are probably so many examples like that with humans too where it's like <laughs> the less ideal mate is just kind of like lingering around and tricks some yeah. female into like falling for them you know Yep, that um, happens all the time, I'm sure. Yeah. All those instances throughout the book did foreshadow the fact that Kaya was the murderer. But I still didn't like it. I still didn't like it. I wanted Kaya to be this invaluable marsh girl that survived great um, injustices, you know, and, and being left alone in the marsh. You know, I didn't want her to be like, oh, some vindictive woman who, who feels like chase did her wrong and she has to get rid of chase or she'll never feel safe again you know yeah that's fair i think what kind of led up to that though was she was saying that he had already kind of attacked her trying to like have sex with her and then he uh she was like he's gonna come back because she had kind of like um you know defended herself and hurt him and so she's like he's gonna be back at some point and like teach me a lesson and hurt me so we don't know exactly like how it went down i guess like I think you could argue as a self-defense thing, you know, and the tower that pushed him off. Like you want to think of her as not <laughs> able to murder someone, but at the same time, it's like, you know, maybe she just did what she had to do. Like, I don't think she's yeah. a bad person. But, and here's the other thing. Though. If, 
right. So the only thing they found the 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 sheriff and his deputies searched the crime scene, didn't find fingerprints, didn't find anything, evidence, no footprints, no evidence of someone else being there. But they found a red fiber, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some red fiber that belonged to a cloth of something sort. And lo and behold, Kaya had a red stocking hat or something that Tate gave her, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wouldn't you think if Kaya wore that hat in Killing Chase that Kaya would have gotten rid of the red stocking <laughs> hat? You know what I mean? Yeah, that I was hung up on that for a bit, but I think what they said during the trial was like, uh, the fibers can be really little, but they could stick on there and be there for like over a year or something or like months just because like they had hung out and like spent time together over the course of the years. So like it could have just been there from a while back. Right. They did a good job in the court in the, during the trial of explaining in a way saying that like these we don't know when these red fibers got down their way to Chase's body or whatever, or what have you. Mm-hmm. But my point is, why did Kaya hold on to the red hat if she was wearing that? A, if she was wearing that to kill Chase, well, all right, so A, if it was that important to her that she wanted to keep it because Tate gave it to her, she shouldn't have worn it to kill Chase. And B, once she had worn it to kill Chase, she she should have gotten rid of it. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But, okay, I never murdered anyone, but... (laughs) But <laughs> if I were, I'll make an exception. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, I mean, are they thinking that deeply about, like, oh, my hat fibers? You know what I mean? Like, you're probably, first of all, it's a very emotional thing that she's going through. And, like, who knows the condition? But she's not like, oh, my little hat fibers. Like, she's probably thinking yeah. about, like, footprints and fingerprints. Yeah. yeah. What? Let's go through the process that Kaya went through to kill Chase. Okay. She set up a me- business meeting out of town with a with a editor of a book. Kaya never leaves town. She went into town to get on the bus so that people saw her getting on the bus during broad daylight to go to this town uh, out at, you know, she left town and then came back. Yeah. Yes. And then she brought, she, so she, but then she disguised herself as an old woman on the bus into town so that the bus driver wouldn't be able to testify that, that she, he saw her on the bus. Mm -hmm. She went, killed chase drove her boat back to the dock dock like a bag out of hell to barely yeah. make the midnight the late night bus going back out of town where she disguised herself as a boy yeah so that the bus driver there wouldn't say that he saw a little lady or you know she changed her disguise to 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 mislead the bus drivers so they could not testify that they saw her so you mean to tell me, and then she went back out of town. So like she, she did all this okay. stuff. It's still Chase, but yet she still kept the red hat. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> all she right. Was, you know? Yeah, I, I get your point. Like, it was so premeditated that she should have been taking every precaution. But if, to the lawyer's point that, oh, this fabric could have been on here for months at a time, maybe she wasn't even wearing the hat during the murder or thought about, like, oh, I have this hat that the hat fibers may have stuck here months ago, right. you know? Honestly, Tim... I think <laughs> I think the only reason in the story that she did not get rid of the hat was so that the author had an easy way for the sheriff to arrest Kaya. <laughs> because that was it, right? They saw the red hat. They found the red hat in Kaya's yeah. shack, and it matched the, the, the fiber they found on Chase's body, and that's what they used to arrest her, right? Yeah. Other than the, other than the red fibers, it would have been such a perfect crime 
that they wouldn't be, they would never have been able to arrest anybody. There would have never been a trial and there would have never been a climax to the book. There you go. That's it all came down to the hat. That should be the cover <laughs> of this book. Just one big hat. I think to be fair, this sheriff and, and police force were suspicious because her alibi was so perfect. Like, oh, she's in Greenville, North Carolina, even though she never leaves the marsh. Like, she just happens to be gone. And, like, everyone conveniently saw her. And she's like, I'm traveling tomorrow. Like, just so you know. <laughs> so, very convenient. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, she pulled it off. She was found not guilty. So, that's, it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt, right? And this right. is before DNA testing and stuff. Right. So, right. Yeah. So yeah, so no, good for Kaya, you know. Mm-hmm. If you if you're gonna, you know, go out, you know, do an intricate plan to kill somebody, I'm glad she killed somebody who's a tool like Chase. Yeah, he was not a good person. He basically like, you know, was just hooking up with her, but ended up being married to someone else, even though he was like, oh, I'll marry you, Kaya. Blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> They all had southern accents in the audiobook, so... Yeah. Oh, right. That's one argument for listening to a a fiction book, is you can hear the, you know, localized accent. Yeah. Wait, so do they actually have different voices for the characters? Uh, Not on this one. I think usually it's just one author who kind of does, like, the same accent for everybody. Um, Or, like, slightly different, but yeah. Okay. Okay, so so one narrator throughout, he just changes his voice slightly when he's talk- when he's actually saying the words of the characters maybe yeah there are some audiobooks where they have different uh like male female you know voice actors that's kind of interesting it's kind of like a audio play or something yeah not sure. but but you know yeah. a good book it was a good book oh yeah i think so as well good i think then. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, one more thing about like the characters. I there was the woman who like counted her change when she was a kid. She didn't really know how much money stuff cost, but then we find who, out later who's, on. Who's she? Uh, Patty, like store owner. No, no. no. I mean, explain like the the yes, but I I understand what you're saying. But the, to the person who's listening to this podcast, there was a there was a there was a cashier at the grocery store. Yeah. That Kaya would come in and buy groceries. And the cashier would help her do the change, but the cashier always gave her more than what she deserved, right? Yeah, and we don't find that out until the end that right. she had been helping that. Kaya. Yeah. Yes. Right. And and I think that's just a nice example of how, like, yes, most of the town kind of, uh, you know, saw her as Barsh girl and alienated her, but then there were people like the cashier. There was Jumpin who saw her kind of like a daughter, um, and uh, you know. He was like this older black guy, which like it wasn't common, especially back then. I think like you know, older black guy, young white girl to have like this um, relationship, just like obviously like father daughter kind of thing. Um, and I thought that was cool. And Tate obviously helped her out a lot. And um, yeah, you know, I think there were people that were there for her, even though she suffered all these things. They kind of like in little ways throughout her life were kind of there for her too. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, it was it was good read, good story. Um, yeah, they're making it into a movie or something, right? They are, yeah. I just it think it's be more like a teen movie or something, right? I hope not. I was there. It's definitely more like romance than I thought it would be, though. You know what I mean? Like coming of age romance drama versus mm-hmm. mystery. Mystery is like ten, twenty percent of this. Yeah. Genre. Yes. 
Yeah, well, when I looked up who's in it, I don't think I recognized anybody. I didn't recognize anyone. I was like, is this some kind of low-budget adop- yeah. adaptation? Usually they just throw a star on there. And this is in Reese's book club. Like, Yeah. Know. Yeah, come on, Reese. <laughs> Pull some strings. <laughs> yeah. She could have played Kaya. <laughs> no, Reese couldn't play Kaya. Her daughter. I think her daughter looks exactly like her. Reese Witherspoon's daughter? I think, I think so. I think I remember seeing that at some point. Like I there. That. Was there anything else on the book you wanted to? Um, no, I think that pretty much covers it. I feel like the red hat all along was <laughs> the author's tool for narrative purposes. So I shouldn't look into uh, the reason why Kai kept it too closely because it doesn't make sense, but the author needed it for narrative purposes. Well, if Tate gave it to her, it kind of makes sense that she was attached sure, to it. but then why would she wear it to kill Chase? If, if she should <laughs> it wear was cold a out. ski mask. Yeah. <laughs> Not so, everyone's nice. premeditating murder to the degree that you are, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> she should have gloves and a uh, <laughs> full body suit. No. Yeah. I was just going to say, along those lines, some things felt forced. Like maybe the uh, hat as a plot device, some dialogue. Sometimes I feel like the way like Tate or people would talk is very like literary and kind of like not necessarily how I imagine people actually talking. Um, like it was well written, the book, a lot of imagery, but the dialogue didn't always feel like natural to me, I guess. Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. I think you can say that about any book because like ultimately the dialogue in a book is to the story. You know, tell the story. But, you know, the dialogue in a book is not going to be seem real at times. I don't know. Cause, yeah. Because it has that. It doesn't have these these uh, periods of trailing off when I don't know where I'm going with my sentence, so I just trail off and they'll end it. Or it doesn't have the, you know, or um, or, you know, it doesn't have these idioms that are idiosyncrasies that we have in everyday speech when we actually talk to some people because no one wants to read that you know that's fair yeah i think it's interesting i wonder which authors are the best at emulating dialogue in a book because i think about like so very different examples but in movies like tarantino i feel like does a pretty good job with dialogue not always like how people actually talk with their words but as far as like the dynamics and and topics uh and then like Bob's Burgers, very different, but I don't know if you ever watch that show, but like no. they sort of like interrupt each other, like stumble each other's words. It's not like a clear like line, other person's line. Other, you know what I mean? Like it's a little more kind of natural flowing. So, sure. but like what's yeah. the equivalent of a book, I wonder, or author? Gosh, good question. Nothing's coming to me off the top of my head, but yeah, we'll look into it. Yeah, no, we won't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Doing zero work on that. All right, Tim. Good tip. Thank you. I say overall. Uh, what do you want? You want to do writing time? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You want me to go first so you don't accuse me of copying? Sure. Yeah. Go for it. I'm gonna write it a four. Okay. Yeah. You want to expand really that? Again? I mean, I thought it was really entertaining. I thought you know, it was captivating. I liked the two two parallel storylines going on leading to a culmination when they fit together. Um, I'm a little disappointed Kaya did it, but that makes a good for makes for a good ending. If the hat weren't involved, would you give it a five? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's not close to a five for me. 
it's a it's a four it's a low end four yeah that's fair which is a solid book which is a great you know you are not going to be you pick up this book you're going to be entertained and you're going to have a good read yeah well said and i am also going to give it a four i agree with what you pointed out and i think it's like you know Good characters, good imagery, well written, um, interesting with the timelines. I just know going into it, it's a little more drama coming of age than mystery. That's more of like a side <laughs> plot, but it's cool and it makes me want to study the biology of marshes more. So, oh, there that, you that's go. Cool. Yeah. All right. Good so, deal, man. Hey, man. So yeah, so yeah, the good picks, Tim. Um, next book is another novel. Uh, it's going to be my pick, Brian's pick. It's The Overstory by Richard Powers. That just sounds long. It's like 500 pages, right? Oh my gosh, Tim. <laughs> that bad. You're, uh, what, um, what was the Wind Up Bird Chronicles? Who wrote that? Uh, Murakami. Murakami. That was like 800 pages. <laughs> yeah. I think that was the <laughs> longest book we've read. So My next one is short after this, after year one, so okay. it'll be right. good. Yeah. So start on the overstory now. Maybe we'll finish it by, I don't know, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Season 50. Let's go. <laughs> no, we'll be, we'll get back on it. Right, Tim? Yeah. It's about trees, yeah. right? So this should be really yeah, interesting. It's about trees. <laughs> I heard it's really creative. So. All right. Was but, um, but in the meantime, folks, go to our website, twoguysonebook.com, all spelled out, twoguysonebook.com. And you can leave notes on there on our past episodes. On the, You can see the other books that are coming up. So you can read along and then make your own comments about what you think of the books. Or put your suggestions down for what we should read next. Sounds good. And buy some merch. We should have some merch. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> some t-shirts, some mugs, some uh, uh, coasters. I don't know. Yeah. No merch yet, but maybe someday. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. All, All right. right. Until next time, keep reading. Keep reading. (laughs) All right. Nice. Good deal.